listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. We're joined today here by John Akosha. He is the Vice President of Acquisition at Elevate Commercial Investment Group. Tell us your story. How did you how did you get where you are? What did you do before? How did you get interested in real estate and what you got going on today? Man, so it all started when a really good friend of mine, he gave me the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And this is this <laughs> happened when I was 17. So what happened is I was after school, just hanging out. I wanted to join a whole bunch of different clubs in school. That way I could it could look really good on my resume when I applied for college. So literally it was my senior year and like the entire time at my, all four years, I'm not, not doing any clubs at all. But I just decided to like join a club because I wanted to look good. And I was looking at future business leaders of America. So I go inside and I see a guy like he's really, at the time, was really stylish to dress really preppy. He had like a pink polo and like some really, like really short, like golf shorts with some Sperry's on. So, okay, you know, we were kind of talking, I was talking to him and he's like, and he seemed like really, really smart. I, I saw just like he seemed really, really intelligent in the way he was, you know, portraying himself and the way he you know, projected himself. And we were just talking and he was like, hey, he told me that he saw some something in me. And he was like, hey, I think you should check out this book. So I checked it out and literally within three days, I read it. And some background on that is I, I at the time, I actually hated reading because, you know, growing up, all the English teachers, they would make you, they would force you to read all these really, really boring books. I thought reading was very, very boring, you know? So that was my original thought on when it came to reading. But when I read that book, I think that was probably one of the first books I've ever completed <laughs> at the time. So I read it and my mindset completely changed. I started yeah. going to real estate seminars. I started hanging out with people that were entrepreneurs. And then I found a mentor that taught me how to wholesale. So I wholesaled a little bit. And then when I went to college, I did a couple of wholesale deals. And then I ended up going to Texas A&M University. Uh, when I did that, I forgot a little bit about real estate. I kind of started focusing more on the wealth management side of things, financial advisor side of things. So I got an internship in financial advising. And then I discovered pretty soon, like, hey, I'm, this, I'm not supposed to do this. You know, this is something <laughs> that I'm not supposed to do. I want to pursue real estate. And, you know, it was actually a really good friend of mine that asked me the questions like, hey, John, like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to do real estate. It's like, well, you need to do that right now. You don't need to wait. You need to do it right now. So I took his advice and just like, basically just quit a couple months after that. <laughs> I got my real estate license and then I started selling investment properties for to investors, you know, people who were looking to fix and flip and people who were looking to buy and hold. So when I was doing that, I met another investor who looked and saw what I was doing and was like, hey, you know, instead of selling me properties, why don't you buy properties for me? And I was like, oh, you know, I'll think about it. And then he was like, well, what I'll do is I'll pay you more than what you're getting paid right now. I was like, oh, well, you know, I, th- I think I'm done thinking about it, right? <laughs> So <laughs> I decided to join him and I was working with him there and I bought over 20 properties within the first eight months, you know, broke all the records in the company and all, everything like that. Basically built like a division that spoke specifically to wholesalers. And one of the wholesalers that I was speaking with, um, I bought maybe four deals from him and I had a really good relationship with him, a really, really good relationship with him and with some of his uh, workers as well. And what happened is I decided to leave that company and start my own company that was going to just, I was going to strictly do wholesale and just kind of figure it out from there and eventually get into multifamily because my end goal was always to get into multifamily. And I later discovered that I really wasn't interested in single family. You know, I, <laughs> I was driving for dollars. I made a list of about a thousand houses. So I drove 
all throughout, you know, South Dallas, Oak Cliff. And I looked at all the houses that looked bad. And I, I typed out the address for at least a thousand houses. And then I was kind of planning on skip tracing them. And then I was going to call every single one of them to get a deal. That's, that's what I was doing. So like literally dropping for dollars. I did that and got through that. And I was like, man, I do not want to do this. <laughs> I was like, man, I do not want to do this. And at the time, one of my friends that was working for the company, the, the wholesaling company, she told me, she's like, hey, you know, we're actually looking to hire someone. And I was like, hey, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in single family, like at all. But she kept with it. She kept asking me about it. She kept asking me like, hey, I think you should join our team. And I was like, you know, I'm not interested. Like a month later, she asked again. I said, hey, I'm really not interested. And I think maybe one or two weeks after that, she was like, hey, I'm actually going to be in town. Would you like to grab lunch? Well, like, yeah, sure. We can, we can grab lunch. And we're eating, you know, I'm eating my food. You know, she's eating her food. And she, I remember her, you know, eating her salad. And then she takes a bite and she kind of looks up at me. And she's like, hey, John, I really think you should consider <laughs> like joining, joining us. And I'm, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'll, I'll talk to the guy. I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to him because, you know, because you asked me, I'll, I'll talk to him. So I'm on the phone with him and he's like talking about all the leads that, that they get. So, oh, we get all these leads, you know, it's great. You know, residential is great. Single family is great. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in single family. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, you're not interested? I'm like, no, I'm not interested. I only want to do multifamily. And he's like, oh, well, we just bought 36 units in, you know, Temple, Texas, you know, and we're actually looking for an acquisitions guy that can help us buy some more units. I was like, you don't need to look for an acquisitions guy. Like I'm your guy. Like I'll find, I, I can find deals. Like I'm your guy. And, you know, sat down, had a meeting within 30 days, we had an LOI for over 400 units and pretty much never looked back. Now we're at over 2,400 doors. Awesome story. There's a lot to unpack there. So I, I cheated a little bit and I listened to a few minutes of your podcast where you were on, was it the real estate investment experience with Chris and John? Uh, I've been on like maybe like 30 podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all blur together. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that was it. So I listen to podcasts in the morning when I'm on the treadmill. And I think like the day after we booked that show, I saw your name on there. And I, I love those guys. And I knew I was about to interview you. So I was like, oh, two birds, one stone. So I listened to a few minutes of it. And I heard you mention that you had listened, you'd read Rich Dad, Poor Dad at 17. And I, I, I like was instantly jealous because I didn't even hear about it until I was 28. And I thought about like, how old are you today? 25. Oh, wow. So I'm, I'm 10 years older than you. I just think about like how much further I could have been if I had been exposed to that at 17, you know, I love a lot of your story about how you were, you were, it seems like every step of the way you put yourself in a position to learn from somebody else, you sold properties to investors, then you sold properties for investors, then you bought properties for investors. And you're just like, you're constantly positioning yourself, surrounding yourself with people that are like the next level up and they just keep pulling you up in that direction. I literally think that's the uh, shortcut to success. So literally find who you want and imitate them. I'm actually doing the exact same thing right now as we speak. So Awesome. Awesome. So what did you learn from your, your wholesaling? I've never wholesaled because I've always had like a higher paying day job. And mm-hmm. I thought like wholesaling is kind of what you do 
in my opinion, I might be wrong and I hope I don't rub anybody the wrong way by making this comment. Wholesaling is what you do if like, you don't have a job and you're just like trying to scrounge up the cash to invest in multifamily or rental properties or something. But it, se- it always seemed like a whole lot of work to me. And I wouldn't necessarily call it investing. I would just call it like working in the real estate investing space. I completely agree. I think that if someone has a very, very high paying job, they don't need to wholesale, they need to invest. You know, I think wholesaling is a really good way to get started in real estate, but it's not the end all be all because you're not actually owning any assets. At the end of the day, the, the key to wealth is to own assets. And the money that you want to live off of really should come from cash flow, not necessarily from, you know, the equity of it. Labor. Yeah. You know, so you don't want to, you don't want to, at the end of the day, you don't want to work for money because people that work for money, that's not how you build wealth. You want to have money work for you. Absolutely. I do wish, I wish I knew more wholesalers that did a good job at wholesaling because I need more deals. And like I spent, you described driving for dollars and writing down all those addresses. Man, I did that shit for two days and I was like, not me. Exactly. Exactly. I did it for like a whole week. Just driving through like Oak Cliff, South Dallas, like all, all these players, all, all, all the places that are like starting to like gentrify and all that stuff. Just driving through there, looking to see if I can find. I even drove like into some pretty dangerous neighborhoods too. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd mentioned that you went into, you called it, was it wealth management or as a financial advisor? So I, I don't know what that entailed or what you didn't like about it, but I can tell you my experience. I was a financial advisor, like right out of college. And really all that meant was I cold called people to sell them insurance. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, exactly that. I mean, you're the expert, but the only reason why you're an expert is because you know a little bit more than the person in front of you. Like, that's really it. You're just a salesperson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's literally it. You're just selling. You're just selling insurance and selling. Oh, Warren Buffett said the S and P 500 is the best thing in the world, so you should invest in the S P 500. That's literally that's literally what of all every single meeting you have. <laughs> that's that's really all it is. So, oh, you need you you make this much. You need this much in insurance, and you know you want to make this much. Well, we can do. We offer this product, and it's like the same product almost for everybody. You know, and I, I saw that, and I and I remember. One of the people, we, so we would pitch doctors. I remember one of the doctors saying, oh, I want to invest in real estate. And in my head, I'm just like, I want to invest in real estate too. <laughs> but being a financial advisor, you're just like, oh, well, real estate, that could be really, con- you need to be more conservative, blah, 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 blah. You know, just like nonsense, right? I, mean, I didn't say that, but that was what my mentor in yeah, financial yeah, advising yeah. was saying. So I heard what they were talking about, like about real estate. I knew that they didn't know what they were talking about. Yeah. I have some really good friends that still work at the insurance company that I work for. And once in a while, and I have some like term life insurance with them, you know, once in a while they'll, they'll try and like call me to convert it all into whole. I'm like, no way, bro. Just get off, get it, move on. <laughs> like if I had an extra couple thousand dollars a month to dump into something, it's not going to be whole life insurance. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be what you're an expert at. That's what you put your money into. Yeah. Tell us about Elevate and kind of what market y'all are in, what y'all are looking for. And and I'd be interested, not that it matters. And if you don't really want to discuss it, that's totally fine too. But kind of what your relationship piece is there. Are you like, do you get part equity in these deals that you're finding or you or or, or you want a, a salary with them or? Yeah, I'll, I'll dive into all of that. So Elevate, so what we do is we buy CMB multifamily properties across the southeastern part of the United States. We're heavily focused in Texas right now, primarily Houston. We have about 1,400 units in Houston right now. Oh, wow. Um, so 
that's where probably that's where we're primarily based as far as like most of our properties. But we just closed on a deal in Augusta, Georgia last week. Okay. So there's that. I just closed on a deal in Georgia last week. Oh, nice. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I looked at trade notes. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we have we own in Augusta, Texas, Oklahoma, South Dakota. Those are the markets we're in right now, and we're looking to buy more. We typically buy. I mean, if it's within Texas, we will probably look at something over, I don't know, probably over 100 to 150 units. We typically like to be over 200 to 250 units because you really get the economies of scale. That's pretty much what we do. We have the, we do the value add. We have our construction company. So we have our construction company in-house. And typically, we'll work with a GP that, have their own, that has their own property management company. So when we do a deal, everything's in-house. Awesome. So... What is your other criteria outside of unit count? Yeah, we look for population growth. Typically, we go to cities that have at least 100,000 in population. We also look for look, we also look at the mar- uh, diverse market. We look to see what kind of job growth they're having there, you know, if there's any job growth there. And also, another big thing is, is the state landlord friendly. You know, we're probably not going to do a deal in California, California. or you know, places like that. So talk to me a bit more about Texas, specifically Houston, if that's where you're located. I love Houston. I lived there in high school and I go there all the time. I'm in South Louisiana, if I didn't tell you. So I'm a four hour drive from Houston. We were underwriting a lot of deals in Texas, but my partner who does, he does the acquisitions and the underwriting. He kept telling me that the property tax was just too high in Texas and they were messing up his deals. The other thing that I, cause I found a Houston deal I liked the other day and I brought it to one of our partners and and they, they're kind of, they were like concerned. And this is a, having lived in South Louisiana my entire life, I Mm -hmm. completely understand this concern. Their concern was that the industry was too heavily weighted on oil and that when we look for markets with job diversity, the Gulf South is just, I mean, being in South Louisiana, I can tell you that yeah. anything, anything between Thibodeau and Lake Charles is going to vanish if there's like some large impactful event in the oil industry. And what would be the impacts of that in Houston and kind of how do y'all address that, that risk? And is that something that y'all look into on a daily or do you have any feedback on the topic? Yeah, I'd say the biggest thing with that would probably come down to the sub-market. If your apartment complex is within an area that there's a lot of jobs that aren't necessarily connected to oil, there's an apartment deal that we're working on right now. We have Amazon, you have Coca-Cola, you have UPS, like major, major employers in that area that, you know, when it comes to jobs and job security, your tenants could be from them, from those major, major employers. I think when it comes down to that, that's really what basically what we look for. That way we are able to not be as focused on the oil sector. And another thing is we like to have next to hospitals as well. You know, that we can have more of an influx of nurses as well. My wife's best friend lives there because she works in a hospital. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she she moved there because they make a lot more in the hospitals there than they do here. Are y'all seeking off-market opportunities or are y'all strictly doing broker relationships? Actually, we're a lot of some of the deals that are coming that are coming to us right now are actually from other GPs that are looking for somebody who are looking to partner on a deal with. Because you know, we have a big name, we have a construction company, they know that we have, you know, we have equity investors that would like to invest with us. So that's how a lot of our deals have been coming recently. 
but our okay. that we close came from a uh, broker in Houston. Those twelve hundred seventy-five units that they sold it to us. You know, we had a really good relationship with them, and we both went to A and M. So I went to Texas A and M University. He went to Texas A and M University, and you know, I just paid attention. I just paid attention. You know, after we closed the deal, as long as it's okay, like you know, maybe like buying a little gift or something like. Sure, you know, sure. fishing, buying them like a fishing rod or something like that, or you know, like a bait, whatever you know, whatever's normal and okay to do. You've bought a broker a fishing rod before. That's <laughs> that's unique enough. But he didn't know I was paying attention. He didn't know I was paying. He didn't know that I knew that he liked fishing. He didn't know. Yeah, that. no, that's awesome. And, and when he when he saw that, it literally like two months later, he sent me like an off market deal for like three thousand units or something crazy like that. Like a month later. Yeah. <laughs> so that's I love it. It's really and another thing is that I've realized and just in, I guess in psychology and all that, you know, you have to find what someone what they call uh, what someone's currency is. Like, you know, what is something True. that what's their love language? Yeah, their their <laughs> love language. Like what are, what what is something that is impacting them right now? What is something that they are most interested in? You know, I met with this huge Dallas operator. A couple of months ago, and he has a tequila brand. And you know, I asked myself, like, if I'm trying to work with him, how can I? What is something I can do that will be impactful to him? And it doesn't necessarily need to be high monetarily or something like that. But it's like, well, he said this is what he's passionate in. He said that this tequila brand was his passion project. I was like, okay, well, if I can do something for him for his tequila brand, that's probably gonna have a lasting impression on him. Because Absolutely. that's what he's passionate about. So I think it's really just about paying attention and then what, seeing what people are talking about. People will tell you what you need to do in order to sell them. You know, they will, they'll literally tell you, you just have to pay attention. Absolutely. That's awesome advice around basic emotional intelligence that so many yeah. people out there lack today. So what does a partnership between Elevate and another group look like? I'm asking, you know, we're a young up and coming group and we can find deals and we can't, sometimes we find awesome. deals that are bigger than us, you know, that Let's we need, it, a big, yeah. we need a rock star group like yours to partner with. So what do you, what do y'all bring to the table? What do y'all look for others to bring to the table? What kind of splits do y'all look like and, and what's your capacity? It's a really good question. I'd say every deal is different, but typically what we do for our investors is we do a 2X equity multiple and we typically like to be out around five you know, three to five years. So those are the kind of deals that we're looking for. I mean, if it if were things that pencil out to that, um, typically we maybe write 8% cash on cash or higher than that. But you know, if, if, you, if you guys have a deal, like a rock star deal, I mean, well, we can make something happen. Basically what happens is, you know, typically the other, d- depending on the, you know, uh, the, the strength of the sponsor group, they'll bring some equity to the table, we'll bring some equity to the table. We have our construction teams. They can take care of the construction and they can take care of the capex. And it really just depends. You know, it really just depends. Like if there are any holes in there, like we, we could either if can fill them ourselves or we can bring someone else in the deal that can fill them. Awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, that's definitely something to keep in mind. Everybody's looking for a good, a good stronger partner to take down yeah. kind of deals. That's how we got started. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're at 2,400 units, you said? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So what is next for you, John, after your partnership, you know, with Elevate Cap? I mean, I assume that, that it's, it's an open relationship and they understand that one day you're going to move forward and blossom on your own. You know, 
what does that look like for you from a timeline perspective and just from an overall vision? That's a really good question, man. So I'm just absolutely obsessed with hedge funds, like that head, the whole hedge fund world, you know, how they make money, you know, that compound interest. I'm just absolutely obsessed with that world. And for me, the next step for me would be to launch my own blind pool and invest in operators that really, really solid operators who can give my investors a really solid return. That's the goal. You know, the goal is for me to build a billion dollar fund. The goal is for, the, for my first fund to be a billion dollar fund. And then after that, just to keep going. That's my goal. Nice. No doubt you'll get there for sure. So real quick, I just want to hop to our radio round where we help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. We just have a couple questions. So the first one is, what's your favorite book? And don't say Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because everybody says that. So there's a book that I'm reading right now that I feel like has had like a pretty big impact on me. It's called Homeless Man to Billionaire. It's by, I believe his name is Andreas, and then I can't remember his last name, reading it. And it basically shows how an ordinary guy that was homeless, he was in Thailand and turned into one of the biggest developers in Thailand worth billions of dollars. And it talked about how what he's read that's had a huge impact on him. He talks about the law of attraction. And one of the biggest things that I learned listening to the book is that, you know, everybody knows about the law of attraction. Everybody knows about, you know, yeah. putting out good energy, you know, you attract who you are, et cetera, et cetera. But reading that book made me understand that there are some people who can use the law of attraction better than others. There are some people who are better at the law of attraction than others. And they're different like fr- there are different like frequencies and there are different like playing fields that different people operate at, and, you know, and it made me understand, you know, made me understand and learn more about what it takes and what I need to do in order to operate as a high frequency as much as I can in order to attract the people I want to do business with and, you know, you know, laying that foundation. So that's been a pretty interesting book that I've been reading so far. And it's one of the reasons that it's an, actually, it's probably going to go on to your next question, but this, reading that book, he talks about skydiving and how it's, how it's helped him in business and how it helps all the employees, employees. He says the top, his top employees, they all skydive. So I actually started skydiving as a new hobby <laughs> because of this book. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I came really close to skydiving a few years ago and the trip got canceled because of the weather. Yeah. And I, I said like, okay, well just call me when we reschedule it to the girl that it's to like put the thing together. And since then I've had a couple of kids and I've yeah. I'm like now kind of like a little more nervous, you know, like when I, oh, I yeah. didn't, I didn't really care when I first, uh, I, I still think I would do it if it came yeah. up, but I'm not like running in line to get it, <laughs> get in front of line. I, I, hey, I'm not going to, I'm not going <laughs> to, not like it's not scary. I mean, imagine getting into a plane knowing that the way you're going to get down is you <laughs> jumping off the plane. And, and not just that, but imagine going up, you're just you're going up, you're going up, you're going up. You have the altitude thing on your watch and you're looking at how high you're going up <laughs> in the air. Oh, so you oh, so literally, I'm like, I have to get myself like, I'm just like hyping myself the entire time. And then out of nowhere, they just decide to open up the, the door of the plane. Man, I don't like to get on really aggressive roller coasters. <laughs> no, imagine 14,000 feet in the air. I'm sure you've been on a plane before, like travel. Sure. Have you ever been on a plane with the, with the door open? 
imagine being on a plane and the door just like just flies open. <laughs> like everyone, everyone's like, okay, it's time to open the door. And then like you see guys looking down, and I'm just like, what is wrong? What is wrong with this guy? And he just jumps out of the plane. He's like, did he just jump out? Of, <laughs> did he just jump out? Of the- <laughs> Like you're like okay, I thought I thought these guys like loved life. Like why are they jumping out? <laughs> you know. And then I was the first one to go as for the tandem, and yeah, we get close to the plane, and oh man, <laughs> yeah, it, I I just remember it, and you know the person, my instructor, because I'm I'm strapped to my instructor, like I'm strapped to them, and they're just like, okay, we gotta get close. Put your put your feet on the edge, and I, I can't. I can't look down. I'm so scared that I can't even look down. I can't look down. I'm just like this the entire time. And she's like, okay, one, two. And then she, we, we push off. Like she doesn't even say three. She pushed off because they know if they say I prefer it that way. Yeah. <laughs> so we pushed off and I'm just like, like, I'm, I'm about to die. I'm about to die. I'm, I'm about to die. Right. We're going down. We're going down. Then we reach like our peak speed, like 120 miles per hour. And it's just like, bliss like it's just a blissful feeling <laughs> yeah it's like you go from i'm about to die i don't know what i'm doing to like just absolute like bliss like you're you're falling and then you see like the horizon you're seeing everything down and like you know it's just like it's just a lot of air in your face that's really it that's really it it's just a lot of air in your face and you get to move <laughs> in the air and all that and then after a little bit like you know, she tells you to check your odometer because she wants you to pull the parachute. If, I mean, she'll pull it if she, if you if, don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and she tells you to pull it. So I mean, I didn't pull it the first time. Second time I pulled it, and then you look at your altitude watch when it hits. As soon as it hits six thousand feet, you pull the parachute. So we pulled it, and then like you're just floating for like eight minutes. <laughs> you're, you're literally floating, and you're six thousand feet in the air, floating down. Yeah, it's it's pretty intense. I'm not gonna lie, it's pretty intense. But once you do it a couple of times, it's not that bad. <laughs> All right. What's your favorite quote? Uh, my favorite quote is from Dan Pena: "Once you become fearless, life becomes limitless." Okay. I guess that's what ties into the jumping out of a perfectly good airplane. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the reason why I'm doing it because it translates into other parts of your life. Yeah, hundred percent. Good stuff. What's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Right now, it's skydiving. I figured that. I thought thought all three would tie together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's pretty pretty intense. And now I'm going to actually, I'm going, so on Sunday, I'm going to a class. I'm going to what's called a ground school. I'm going to learn how to like move the parachute. And then once I finish the school, I can jump by myself. It's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> it's very, very safe. Like your instructor, like instructor, the last instructor I was, I mean, he's done over five thousand jumps. He's been jumping since two thousand eight, and that's the guy that I'm attached to. So you're, so you're, I mean, you're, you're good. And then one before that, done over ten thousand jumps. And then you know, even but even like worst case scenario, the parachute has the 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 jump the suit thing that you have has two parachutes in it. There's a reserve, and then the one that you that you pull out. Even if something were to happen to you, it's a computer. It'll automatically deploy at a certain altitude, so you're so like you'll be fine. If you're like unconscious okay. or, or something, it's gonna. I was about to say, what if you hit your head like jumping out of the plane? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, how can our listeners find out more about you? Get in touch with you, send deals to elevate, or follow your Instagram with quotes on it. That's what it talks to me. Like, uh, would be Instagram. It'll be at Johnny Equity at J O H 
M-N-Y-E-Q-U-I-T-Y. That's the best way to reach me uh, at Johnny Equity. And you could also That's reach catchy. Me. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> but you can also reach me on Facebook or LinkedIn, but your best bet is Instagram. Awesome. Well, cool. John, I really appreciate you joining the show today. I really enjoyed it. I'm still on the fence about skydiving, probably further away from doing it than before we started talking about it. But um, if I if I decide to go skydiving in Dallas, Texas, I'll definitely hit you up. Yeah, let me know. I'll probably be there with you. Awesome. Thanks, John. Have a great day. It was really nice to meet you. We look forward to keeping up with your journey. Look forward to it as well. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Cressworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at rentrollradio.com or sterling at crestwordcapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.